Hello, friends. My name is Brad Roland, and this is a crossover edition of the Locked on Hawks podcast, where I am joined in crossover fashion by John Corrales of Locked on Celtics for a bonus episode to preview the series that begins on Saturday. If you missed it, I talked to my friend Tyler Jones on the podcast for about an hour on Wednesday evening. Some Celtics talk in there as well, as, as well as the, where the Hawks are at this point in time, heat stuff, etc. And uh, yeah, just a series preview. We'll, we'll have one more piece of content, hopefully, between now and tip-off on Saturday. So stay tuned. Please subscribe to the podcast. And after a quick intro, we'll be back with myself and John Corrales of Locked on Celtics. You are Locked on Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team, every day. All right, Brad, here we are. Unexpectedly, I think. Uh, Is this where you expect it to be at this point in the season? Ooh, it kind of depends on when that question is asked. Preseason, <laughs> preseason, no. Midseason, probably no. <laughs> you know. a, a rolling kind of like win probability chart of your confidence in being either a playoff team, uh, a, a seventh seed, or you know you feel like it should have been higher. I think you guys came in with higher hopes. Yeah, definitely. I think if you told me preseason, you know, even with the, with all the play and stuff, they'd be the seventh seed. I would have said that's a, at least a mild disappointment for sure. They they were talking they were talking all year long about their goal not being in the plan. And so to end up there, even when you win your first game in upset fashion, not the best place to be, but not the worst either. It could have been much worse for this Hawks team in the last week or so. Yeah. I mean, sure. You could, could have just not made it at all, I suppose. Um, so let, let's, let's start from there. Why, why? Is, because I do think that this Hawks team is a little bit of a, a disappointment and um, especially I thought they were a disappointment last year. I thought they would bounce back after last season's kind of showing. And yeah, DeJounte Murray, I mean, I, I was really counting on the Hawks to be kind of one of those like four, five, six teams. Yeah, I think that's about right. I, I think that coming into this year, they were responding to last year because they underachieved, like you said, a year ago. That was the one that was like kind of universally accepted. They made this conference finals run, no matter where you are on that spectrum. They were disappointed by the, by the results of that. Tony Ressler made it very known, the owner, like they were going to make some changes. And the one thing I said heading into the last summer was that they're going to change something. They're not running it back after last year. And they made a big change with Murray, like you said. And then coming into this year, I'm not saying people picked them in the top two or three because that didn't really happen. But they were generally seen in that four, five, six range, maybe down to seven. But I had them in that five, six range somewhere in there. And to be 500 for most of the season – is not where they wanted to be, especially with they were pretty healthy. I mean, knock on wood, they didn't really have a lot of injuries this year either that would kind of explain why a team might plummet down to that range. So, yeah, I mean, it's been a general disappointment. The coach got fired midseason. I mean, they they had this big change, and they've been better since then. But even then, they're not, like, lighting the world on fire as well as they played against Miami on Tuesday. So I think the general tenor on the team is definitely one of disappointment and a potential change in the future, depending on how things go in the next couple of weeks. But um, for now, they are also kind of feeling pretty good compared to where they went most of the year because they just played so well against Miami and kind of finished the year strong. What did you make of the Trey Young rumors that 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 he is among those that's able to be traded, willing to be traded? I, I think for me, I've kind of been in this posture for a while, and that didn't change for me. I made some calls, as you kind of have to after a report like that gets out. 
And I, for me, I still we're still in the place now where I'll I'll be shocked if he is traded if, unless he wants to be. We're still there, and I'm not heard that he wants to be at this point. Mm-hmm. Like you know, people point to him being represented by Clutch. Maybe um, look if he wanted to get out, I think he probably could. It's what most guys at his level, if they want to get out, they do. Sure. KD, it, took, it took KD an extra few months, but he eventually got out. That kind of stuff happens. Um, but I think for now, like for them to trade him without him wanting to be traded this coming summer would shock me. It really would. I'm not saying it's a 0% chance, but it, I w- it would blow me away just because they're, they're so tied to him. I mean, ownership level on down. And I think for as much as the noise has kind of been bu- buzzing behind the scenes, like I think he understands that he, he has a lot of juice in the organization and I think he is, it's still his team and it's been disappointing, but um, you know, long story short, and I'll give you more if you want to, I'll, I'll be surprised if he gets moved. It didn't stun me to have that kind of news cycle. And it was around the play and it kind of made me laugh that, you know, let's talk about something this week nationally that has to do with the Hawks. Oh, trade, trade young trade rumors, <laughs> fire up the machine. So there's a little, there's a little bit of that I think in there as well, just because all the way that it was time, but I, I get it, but I, I'd be pretty surprised if he was traded at least, at least anytime soon. I mean, the reason, and the reason I asked, obviously it just came up, but you know, there's, there's always the chance of like discord and Hey, I've, I've been around hearing about Jalen Brown rumors for, you know, ever. And I, those have always been something that I've blown off. So you never know what's, what's really real and what's not. Uh, I wouldn't expect Kevin O'Connor to, to not report something that he's heard, but regardless, regardless, you know, you're heading into a playoff series. The last thing you want is your best player to be answering questions about trade rumors and stuff. Um, so, but it, to, to their credit, didn't seem to bother him during in, in that play in game. So, I mean, you had, you had a, a good performance there. So, so that's good. Yeah. If they, if they had lost uh, at least locally, you would have definitely, the fans would have been definitely blamed via the rumors on, on all sure. that stuff, which is, you know, you never know behind this, like how much of that is motivating, how much of that is distracting, I agree that it's not great that Trey had to spend five, even five minutes at a press conference having to ask, answer questions the day of the playing game about all about all of this stuff. So like that's not ideal. But you know he played fairly well in that in that game. They played well, and the vibes have not been great all year long around the Hawks, but they're pretty good right now. They're feeling okay. I think the new coaching staff has something to do with that. So it didn't uh, derail things at least in the short term. Let's get to the series here, um, Celtics and Hawks think the general feeling around here and I think maybe nationally is that the Celtics should kind of win this easily. Uh, is there any reason for us to think otherwise? That is the general feeling for sure. I mean, I, I'm, I'm big into the betting markets and things. Our friends at FanDuel have the Celtics as a very large favorite in the series too. Um, and I get it. I mean, if you look at the season long profile of these two teams, Boston has been a lot better than the Hawks. It's not even been particularly close. Uh, wins and losses, net rating, all those things. And then I think season series are very overrated, generally speaking. But Boston dominated the two games that the, that the two teams were actually trying in. Yeah. So that that doesn't that doesn't really help matters either. Um, as far as like why it may be different, I think like as we talked about earlier, the Hawks have underachieved their talent level. I think their talent level is significantly better than a team that is forty-one and forty-one. So that that's that's if you're a Hawks fan, Hawks optimist, that's where you would start. They are healthy. They are more talented than that. And now, without trying to fire uh, Nate McMillan once again, um, <laughs> they are they are they are a better coach now than they were previously. I think I, I'll, I'll just leave it there with Quinn Snyder. He's obviously a, a big upgrade there. Mm-hmm. So you know, between 
having a star, having some real offensive talent. They've been a top two or three offense in the league the last few months, having real depth and a new coach. I think that it's reasonable to say this is a team that is better than your traditional seven seed, which maybe just closes the gap. It doesn't mean obviously no one's going to pick the Hawks, including me. It'd be crazy to just straight up pick the Hawks in the series. But I do believe that it could be a lot closer than people are expecting, mostly because of Atlanta, not, not because of Boston. I think Boston is kind of what we think they are at this point. They're, they're, they're very, very good. I just think that the Hawks are probably better at this moment than they've been for the most of the season. And, you know, part of that has to do with injuries and all that stuff. Today's show is brought to you by eBay Motors for a championship team. It's all about making sure every player is the perfect fit for you. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you look to buy parts or accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fits, you can be sure every part that you actually need fits right. And that's so the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage. Look for the green check to know a part will be actually fitting for you or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are absolutely guaranteed. Get the right parts for you, the right fit, and the right prices at ebaymotors.com. One more time, that is ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I feel like there's there's a little bit of improvement here since Quinn Snyder came along. And you know, uh, Joe Mazzulla was talking about it at practice today. They play faster. They shoot more threes. Um, the, and, and they that alone in offensive rebounding, uh, those things make a team dangerous. The the twenty was it twenty two offensive rebounds against yeah. the Miami Heat. Look, the Celtics are the the league's number one defensive rebounding team. However, when they have lost, they have gotten killed on the boards. It's it's the one thing when you when, when the Celtics lose, they're it's mostly because their effort wanes. They they don't typically lose games where they're trying hard and playing well, um, which happens to every team during the season. You, you try hard, you play well. Sometimes every once in a while, you just lose a game like that. But the Celtics, most of their losses have been effort based, and and one of the first things that goes when effort comes around uh, is rebounding so do you think the the hawks can maybe catch the celtics sleeping a little bit or do you think the hawks can uh, have figured something out there with their offensive rebounding that's strategic enough where they they can go and and steal a couple of games here make make this this series difficult just with their offensive rebounding their effort yeah i think the physicality aspect this is a hawks team especially as constructed right now, that is much more athletic and forceful than they've been in the past. Even when they were awesome offensively last year, two years ago, it was mostly just Trey Young pick and roll surrounded by shooters. And that's a good formula. But now they have a, a healthy front court that is, they're not enormous. They don't have a 7-2 guy up there, but Clint Capella is one of the best, best rebounders in the league. That's one of his, probably his number one strength. They play big most of the time. They don't play a lot of small ball. Jalen Johnson's this X factor second year guy who's, you know, all of six ten and kind of creates havoc. And um, I think that that Miami game was kind of an outlier. They haven't been quite that physical and aggressive and forceful, but they, they show that they can do it at least in that one game sample size. And in addition to being awesome on offense in the second half of the season, part of that's been off to rebounding. Like they've been a top three or four team. I think they're emphasizing that more, um, which is personnel driven too. So 
you know, I, I'm, the, the stat about Boston's defensive rebounding is going to make the rounds, but I found this interesting too. I'm sure you talked about it a lot. I think Boston's like in the bottom eight or seven or eight in second chance points allowed. Like it's really hard to be number one in defensive rebound rate and not be good at second chance points allowed. I don't know why. It's probably some noise in there, but like I noticed that when I was doing some prep. I was like, that's interesting. And the Hawks had, I think, 26 against Miami. I, I'll, I'll say this when they actually get off its rebounds in the series, they better capitalize. Because yeah. that, that, that's where you get, that's where you can kind of waste those, and that kind of your your edge can evaporate because you know you can't just grab them. You got to actually do something with them to uh, sort of uh, take advantage of that possession battle edge. This is this is the problem with the Celtics. Yeah, and so so when you say the Celtics have the best defensive rebounding percentage out there, there are a lot of Celtics fans who go, "Really? <laughs> you do?" Because it, when the Celtics give up offensive rebounds. There's those almost always get cashed in. They they don't just let long. It's not just the odd long rebound. It's you know the weird ah oh, that just was a bad bounce and you know you you rebound seventy seven percent of your the 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 available rebounds out there that does leave twenty three percent of offensive rebounds out there for the other team to get. And it just feels like every time the other team gets them, it's a dunk. It's something. And you're like, oh god, can't they rebound? And you at the end, you're like, oh, they did rebound. It's just the the types. It's weird the types of rebounds that they give up, which is kind of the the big concern. Because what did we just see against Miami? It's not just that they got 22 offensive rebounds. It's every single one of them it was a Sadiq Bay dunk. It was somebody else doing chin ups at the rim. I mean, everyone got cashed in. So if the Celtics if the Celtics aren't careful. That could be something that bites them because they, the Hawks don't turn the ball over. They don't give up those opportunities. The only thing I will say is if, if the Hawks do go for those offensive rebounds, you better get them because the one, the one stat that I picked up was that the Hawks give up, um, I think, the second or third most uh, fast break points in the league, and that – if you're not turning the ball over, that's all off of their misses. You're trying to go in and crash the boards, and this is why Doc Rivers sends sends everybody back and doesn't crash. If you don't get that offensive rebound, the other team's running, and the Celtics are at their absolute best when they play up tempo. And if that if that rebound gets it to Marcus Smart's hands and they're running, those those points can add up pretty quickly. And that makes sense. And that's it's been a documented weakness of this Hawks team is not only transition defense, but point of attack defense. And, you know, that's a bad recipe against this Boston team. We saw the first, you know, the last game of the season, throw it out for the most part. Nobody played in that game. Um, stylistically, maybe some interesting stuff there. But the first two games, I mean, Boston made 23s and, or more in both of them. And it was like a tire fire at all times. Like, and that's what Boston can do. To you. If they're going to make shots, that's, that's what they can do to you. But the Hawks, you know, beyond just the half-court concerns, they have to be intentional about getting back. If they don't, like to your point, if they don't get those rebounds crashing the, crash the glass, they got to have a plan because, you know, they've, already, they've always had a weakness or two or three sometimes in their personnel. Like, you know, Trey Young is a bad transition defender, unsurprisingly. Um, they've had Gallo in the past. Bogdanovich is a step slow. Like, they, they have these issues where – they have trouble getting back in general. And if they are going to emphasize offensive rebounding, it's a high risk, high reward strategy, because like you said, they might just have give up 25 fast break points in a game. And then you're probably drawing dead if that happens to you. So there's a little bit of a mixture there. I'm sure they know that. And I, I will, I would think he's not gonna say this out loud, but coach Snyder today, same thing as uh, you know, at practice was like, 
pretty outlandishly praising the Celtics. And that's what you should do going into a series, number one. No bulletin board material. But it's like, if I can get in coins to that, it's like, does he realize how big of an underdog they probably are here? And they call it David strategies. Like, you have to treat it as if you're the underdog. And that's what I think that they should do. Will they? Will they admit that? I'm sure not. But like, it's that there's a little bit of a part of that too. Where like, you should be taking high risk, high reward strategies when you are supposed to lose a series like this. So that's that's part of it too. Yeah. So I think I think that's the Hawks' best chance. I don't think the Hawks are going to be able to score just at the level that they've normally scored at. I looked at their numbers against the Celtics, and their their offensive rating is down almost four points. Uh, facing the Celtics, they, the assists are down, uh, their field goal percentage is down. It's just the, the offense doesn't run as well against the second rest, second ranked defense in the league. So that stands to reason. So, um, is there another way outside of the offensive rebounds that you think this the Hawks can hurt the Celtics uh, with their offense? I think that uh, in general. Atlanta is better suited now to attack under Snyder and with the way that they're playing than they were earlier in the year. Cause those numbers stood out to me too, about just Hawks overall versus Hawks versus Celtics. And I think that they have been a little bit more scheme versatile. We saw it in the Miami game as well, where I have a colleague named Glenn Willis who pointed this out on my show. And it was basically, if you watch the way the Hawks approached the first three games against Miami versus the game that Quinn coached, it was very different. And they were running stuff that made Miami less comfortable on defense. And I think without, I'm not an X's and O's expert on on the level of a coach, but I do expect them to have some stuff prepared here. They have a few days off. That's one of the advantages of not going to be the, in the nine, 10 game on Friday, obviously Boston has longer off, but there's a rust factor there too. And I think for the first time in a while, you can kind of trust on the Hawks side, like you have a coaching staff that's probably going to be a little bit more adaptable, maybe attack. Um, I think the, the way we talked about before about the offensive rebounds is probably the number one thing because Boston does play a little bit smaller than some teams do, and the Hawks play bigger than some teams are. But there's not any – I mean, you know this. There's not any glaring weaknesses about where about how Boston defends. So it's getting it's getting guys in good situations. Like the Hawks, need, the Hawks lean heavily on – Bogdanovich and Sadiq Bay playing together, which that's two of their backup wings, but mm-hmm. they're also their two best shooters. So if they can play those guys together and live on defense, then they could suddenly score a lot better. That's one area that I'm looking at to see if the Hawks can survive those minutes on defense enough to play them together. And then just getting Trey good positions, because one of the things that I'm worried about if I'm the Hawks is that Boston's so good switching on defense. They're yeah. so adept at that. And that's really bothered the Hawks in previous years. Miami did it a lot last year in the playoff series. And when Trey can't just run, pick, and roll, he's not as comfortable. So they have better counters to that now. They have DeJounte. They have other options. But um, that's an area where, like, if the Hawks just can't solve the switching defenses, um, they're going to be in trouble, which is – that's a very obvious statement. But it's, it's also very true. Like, they have to make Boston maybe go to their plan B, go to, go to their plan C. Because if you, if you just let the Celtics, who are the better team on paper, do what they want to do, then you're not going to beat them to what they want to do. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel, and the NBA playoffs are here. It's also baseball season as well, with the Grand Slams, no hitters, and double plays returning to your lives in a big way. And there's no better place to get on the NBA or MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. If you're a new customer, get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 with FanDuel. And this first bet is coming back to you. If your first bet does not win with FanDuel, Ellen Table Sportsbook app right now. It's safe, it's secure, and easy to use. If you anything you're looking for in the sports world, Includes point spreads and totals, money lines, futures, player props, live betting, and much more. And the Hawks begin their first round series, of course, on Saturday afternoon in Boston. We know that's a series price for you. 
how many games the series are going to actually have in it as an option to bet on game one odds and much more on uh, Celtics plus you know what you can best together for a bigger payout with the same game parlay. Give us a chance right now to get a no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars. Bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That is fanduel.com slash locked on, official sports partner of the NBA and NFL. The Hawks are one of the top ball screening teams in yep. the league, um, which would which would play into that switching uh, because the Celtics the Celtics play small, but the small guys they play aren't tiny. Aren't small. <laughs> yeah, I mean, small. yeah, you know, so. You can play. You can play small. You can play Tatum at center. He's he's like six ten. You know, he's he's bigger than whatever. I don't, I don't even know what he's listed at anymore. But that dude is big, and you play Horford, or they can go big and play Robert Williams there. Whichever way they do it, I I feel like they can they can push Trey Young into just taking shots. I think the number one thing you want to avoid with Trey Young is shooting, scoring, and 10 assists a game that he's averaging. If you can get him down to like five or six, then you, you really have a chance. And and look, I, I know that Trey Young has a reputation as a shooter, but he's shooting like 30, below 34% on the season, right? So he's he hasn't found that shot at all, all year long. I feel like if you turn Trey Young one-dimensional – and the Celtics with their length and their switchability, then this this is a wrap real quick. Um, do you think that Trey Young can can get going in this series against the Celtics? I think he can, but it's a tough matchup for him for sure. I mean, he had uh, pretty good numbers against Boston in the two games this year. I don't care about that too much, but it wasn't as if like you know Miami famously had his number in a way that Boston hasn't hasn't necessarily done that against Trey. But I totally, I totally agree with what you just said about making him more one-dimensional. And, you know, I've always said Trey – somehow Trey is still underrated as a passer. I think he's one of the best passers in the world. Mm-hmm. He's an incredible passer. But if you make him a scorer, he can beat you that way. He's good enough to do that. But I would be – if I'm defending him, I generally want to make him a scorer first, second, third. And your point about three-point shooting is perfect because he took – actually, I was encouraged by this. He took eight on Tuesday against Miami. But before that, I think it was eight or nine games in a row, he took four or five or less. Mm-hmm. He's not been aggressive with his jump shot. I think he knows he's not feeling it right now with his jumper. And that can flip on a dime. Like, he's had these stretches where he'll go off. But his season, like you said, has not been great as a jump shooter. And I'm sure part of the game planning is going to be like, all right, we, we, we have to actually make Trey Young make shots. And, you know, if I'm Boston, I probably, number one, want to make somebody else beat you other than Trey Young. But beyond that, if you're going to have Trey Young be in that position, I think you probably have to take your chances to make him a jump shooter. And if he has a game where he shoots six of seven from three, which he might do, you tip your cap a little bit. But you're right. Like, he's he's at his best when he's getting downhill, number one. He's one of the best lob throwers in the league. The Hawks love that lob game, the high screen and roll, all that. Uh, you, you kind of have to make Trey, and I think DeJounte Murray, too. It's, it's a little bit different. But if those guys are taking a bunch of long twos or a bunch of, like, contested pull-ups – that's where the Hawks are going to struggle because they get into this hero ball mode at the end of games, especially if you watch them in fourth quarters, Trey and DeJounte kind of devolve into your turn, my turn, uh, and they can do it every once in a while, but the Hawks have been really bad in close games this year, which is another issue in this series potentially is that, you know, when you're already not the better team on paper, 
you can't afford to give away close games either. So yeah, long, I mean, long answer long, I, I should say. Uh, but Trey is someone who I think you have to make a jump shooter first. And if he, he's capable of beating you there, but the numbers are not very good this year. And he's so good as a passer and distributor that you, you kind of have to force him into that box and maybe he'll beat you there. But I think that's, that's the game plan on Boston. Um, the Trey Young, Marcus Smart matchup is always a fun one to watch. They, they, love, they love each other. Famously. They, yeah. I see a lot of pictures of them hugging on the floor. <laughs> um, the smart got tossed in that game. He did where, uh, he, he did, he did do the, uh, and <laughs> I'm no stranger to this, the get caught up in a guy kind of trap his arms and then you fall and then he falls. It's like you took, you take him down with you. All right. So Marcus tries to get under Trey Young's skin. I happen to think that that's something that you can do. Am I, am I wrong in thinking that, that Trey Young can be flustered? It's a, it's a delicate balance because I've seen Trey in a spot like that actually have it motivate him almost like he's almost better. Like Mm -hmm. the the most high profile example of that is the, is the Knicks series a couple years ago when he just went crazy in MSG. They were were really on him the entire series and he was great. Yeah. 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 But how much of that is the situation versus he, he was in total control against the Knicks team that was playing drop coverage. And he was just, he was perfectly in his element. I don't know how, what percentage of the pie to, to distribute with that. I've also seen him get in a spot where he gets, he feels like he's personally challenged. And look, the, one of the reasons he got here to this point, but I mean, here as a star on the NBA is that his entire mantra is that he's an underdog because he's small yeah. and that's the way he thinks. And he could be, I think I've seen him be baited into doing too much too. Like he yeah. might get into a one-on-one, a one-on-one back and forth where that makes your team worse, especially if he's, if he's not feeling it and he's still doing that, which he's done yeah. before too. So that's not a it's not a perfect answer, but if I Marcus Smart doesn't know anything else to do, that's obviously what he's gonna that's what he's gonna do. I mean, he's a really good player, but Marcus, it's not like you could tell Marcus to turn it off, can you? I mean, <laughs> you, you, you know better than I do, but I can't imagine him just being like boring all of a sudden. So it's probably yeah. gonna happen either way. Uh, and I just I actually don't know how Trey will respond. Maybe maybe he's you know taking a lot of deep breaths in the last couple of days and he'll be uh, more smooth sailing in this series because you know. I'm sure he knows this is going to happen to him. Him and Smart have a documented history together. Yeah. But it, it could go either way. I mean, I, I really have seen him do both in terms of kind of killing the Hawks, being over-aggressive when he's kind of in this mm-hmm. one-on-one mode or the other way, or also the other no way around. Yeah, I, I just feel like my my read on it is that that Smart will bait him into some of that stuff. Um, he won't get the whistles that he's normally used to getting in the regular season. Um, and he won't get to the line as much. He'll get frustrated, and there there will be some devolution uh, <laughs> into it, like all of a sudden you'll start seeing some logo logo threes going up because nothing else is working for him. And if those if those don't fall, if he's not feeling it, then that's like the I, I feel like it, when he's missing those, the Hawks are just like you know their whole they they whole, can they can spiral and. Honestly, it's going to sound weird. I've I've wanted to try to take not necessarily the logo threes, but I've been hoping he takes more threes this year, despite him not shooting well, because I just think he's got to be more aggressive with it. But yeah, there's a certain caliber of shot that he can take that is not the one you want, and it is the one that Boston wants. And you mentioned it. I meant, I meant to say it earlier, but the fact that Boston I think is like number three or four in the league in free throw rate allowed, they do a really good job of not fouling. Yeah. That's going to be big in the series because not only Trey, Trey's the only guy on the Hawks roster that actually gets to the line regularly, and if he's not getting to the line. They don't have other guys that really get there very often. So if, if suddenly Boss is taking 12 more free throws in every game, 
that's going to be a, a really a really rough X factor because you know fortunately Boston's not a huge free throw rate team on offense, but they don't foul, which is a, a big thing. So let's let's wrap this up here. What's what's your feeling here on on how this series is going to go? I think it's going to be more competitive than people think, and that doesn't mean the Hawks are going to win the series. I don't, I'd be pretty surprised if they did. I think it's I think it's a non-zero. I think that's that should go without saying in a seven-game basketball series. It's not ever a zero percent chance. Um, I actually had to do a write-up um, for Sportsline where I do some work, and they I had to make an actual like betting pick on the series. And I took the Hawks on like this alternate, like the Hawks plus two and a half games. So basically, they had the series go six or longer, and it was plus money. But I think that there's a little bit of value there. I think there's a chance that the Hawks make this interesting. And if they were to lose game one, I'll feel a lot less positive about that because mm-hmm. I, think, I think game one is a great opportunity for the Hawks, honestly, to steal one. And they're underdogs for a reason. They should be underdogs in the game. It's involved. I'm sure it'll be. I'm sure it'll be in the building. It'll be a madhouse. But it's a, it's a it's a weird afternoon game. Boston's been off for a week. Hawks just played. You know, there, there might be a little bit of a, a rusty thing there, especially in the first half of the Hawks. If the Hawks are up by ten in the second quarter, won't surprise me at all. Yeah. Game one. Now, yeah. if, they, if, they, if, if they blow the lead, that won't surprise me because <laughs> the Hawks do that. But um, I, I think the Hawks. My strongest feeling is that the Hawks are going to get at least one, and I think probably two games in the series. I would pick Boston to win. Um, I, I, I'll be surprised if we see anyone nationally take the Hawks to win. Um, if you if you find someone, John, let me know. I'll let you know. I'll let you know. I, 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 don't, I don't think we're going to see one of those people. But uh, look, if I'm the Hawks, and I'm not a homer really on my show, I, I cover the team very objectively to the point where Hawks fans don't always love what I say. If I'm the Hawks, I kind of love that no one's picking me. I mean, sure. does, does that matter? Maybe not. But, you know, if you're in that locker room and you know you're playing better right now than you played and you know that, like, not a single soul is picking you, it doesn't hurt you. That's for sure. No. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it there just to say, obviously, we pick Boston to win the series. But I, I do think the Hawks are more alive than people are kind of giving them credit for. Okay. That, that, that's good to hear. Uh, I, I am definitely one of the people who think this is, this is a five game series. Um, and I'm saying five out of respect. <laughs> uh, so I, um, I, I, I get that too. I mean, again, on paper, if you assume this Hawks team is the team they've been all year long, then that's the right pick. Yeah. That, that's how, that's how much better Boston has been than Atlanta through 82 or now 83 against for the Hawks. That's the cap. That's the gap that should be there. And that's why the point spread is what it is. That's why the series price is what it is to actually think the Hawks have a real chance to make this a long series. You have to buy into them being different now than they've been all year long. That's fair. That's fair. And Hey, look, Quinn Snyder's come in. He hasn't had a chance to make any real impact on the personnel he hasn't had a chance to, you know, hire his own staff and put his own game plan in. It's, it's hard to do that on the fly. So, um, if we're going to see a Quinn Snyder impact, we might see it next season. And you know, it'd be good. Look, I've been really hard on the on the Hawks the past couple of seasons, especially once once I heard Trey Young say that he was bored by the regular <laughs> season, I was like, "What? The, who the hell are you?" Yeah, that did not go and, over well at all. Yeah, and, nor should it have. That was a terrible quote. That was yeah. And so I've I've kind of let that kind of seethe in my consciousness consciousness over the past couple of seasons. Um, I'd like to see them turn it around because I like to see teams be good. I like to see a, a competitive conference. And and so, uh, but I don't think it's happening now. We'll see some of Quinn Snyder's impact now, but I don't think much is going to change. So we'll see. Uh, thanks for uh, doing this crossover episode. And and who knows? Who knows how this thing is going to go? 
Yeah, maybe we'll have to talk again at some point. If this, if this thing starts to go long, we might have to fire up the crossover machine once again. And if not, if not, then we won't, I'm sure. <laughs> but we'll, uh, we'll leave the door open. And I, I appreciate you uh, having me and hosting this thing. And uh, it was a good time.